Coming up with an absolute arsenal of draft capital in drafts to come from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, how should Brooklyn best utilize this high-level value? You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it's the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR. For all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrick, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast with my boy, Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free on 100% of all those great platforms. And let you know today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. You can go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter promo code locked on for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And Doug, the Brooklyn Nets, in theory, have a very exciting, flexible, and valuable future ahead with all of these draft picks. The question becomes, what is the best use of this capital for a team that is in between what their short-term and long-term future should be? Yeah, this is the great question about like, you know, the Nets have, did a, have done a really good job of retooling in the face of the disaster that was the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and, you know, ultimately James Harden trio of guys. And ha- they had to give up a massive amount of f- assets, you know, for Harden specifically, with Durant and Kyrie, they got lucky. I mean, they not lucky, but they the, signing those guys through free agency meant that they didn't have to give up a lot, except for you know heartache in the back end of it. But the um, <laughs> but emotional and mental trauma, sure. But other than that, it wasn't yeah, exactly yeah right. But Harden obviously you know tapped them out of a bunch of short term assets uh, in terms of draft picks, but they clawed a lot of that back through the Durant and Kyrie trades. You know, more specifically Durant and Sam Quinn from CBS, like you said, does a great job of breaking down sort of all the owed picks from the entire NBA. It's a really comprehensive article, which I suggest you got you try to check out. We'll put a link yeah. here in the show notes. But um, he goes through the 55, 56 owed draft picks throughout the NBA through now, through, you know, 2030, and kind of ranks them and ranks them where, you know, they are in terms of his, what he sees as perceived value. And you could probably have some, you know, minor adjustments here to, to swap out a few of these. And he's making long-term predictions. But overall... The conceit is correct in that when you look at this from the top down, the Nets do have a lot of stuff going forward. It relies on other teams sort of being Mm -hmm. bad, i.e. the Suns and to some degree the Mavericks as well. But when everyone kind of assumes that that's going to be their their value is good now, they are for the future. Like there is a chance to be able to capitalize on the perceived value of those going forward. So we'll talk a little bit about like how they should use it. And I can go through a few of these, like what they give a quick rundown. But just in terms of what it looks like going out, did you agree with Quinn's analysis here that the Nets kind of do stand near the top of future assets and are frankly in one of the best positions in the whole league outside of like maybe OKC going forward in terms of like what they have in terms of high leverage draft capital? Yeah, by his article, uh, four picks in the top 10 in the first, the third, the fifth, and the sixth highest valued picks, uh, as long with the 20th and 34th Philadelphia mixed into that equation as well. I think you have to. And and I really do think that um, what Sam Quinn did a nice job of in looking at these two spaces 
was he examined it kind of from beyond when, when we talked initially around these trades, it was, well, Kevin Durant's on the older side, they're going all in. So you can just think about age timeline and say those picks could and should be valuable. But the two notes he made around some of those highest picks there going out to 20, not 27 and 29 is first around Devin Booker and saying, well, you have a decision to make here if you're going to keep him in the long term and winning championships in the short term can help that you sign him to a longer term deal. What happens with DeAndre Ayton? And then as these other veteran players retire and move on, even though you'll have a star, you're not going to have the same flexibility, which leaned into the other point that he made. Their front office in Phoenix is a team, is a organization that's model is we go out and supplement with veteran talent. But when you don't have draft capital, you can't go get the veteran talent necessarily that you want to target. So Phoenix is moving for a lot of different reasons into a very pigeonholed spot, which I think elevates that draft capital in a way that I don't, I wasn't examining it through that lens, right? I was just thinking, hey, they get old, they win a championship, we have high picks and we hope that it works out. These are actually a couple extra layers that makes it even more exciting to hold those. Yeah, and, and right now, what's important to remember for, in terms of like the Nets value of these now is that everyone kind of perceives it this way, right? Like everyone yeah. perceives these Phoenix these Phoenix picks in the future as being really good because the assumption is going to be all the short-term stuff that they bought into now is going to affect them long-term. There's a world where the, these picks are never more valuable than they are right now. Right. Because with every season and move, because right now the the baseline assumption is that Phoenix is going to stink. Like in when, you know, when we're <laughs> headed off to when we're headed off to the old folks home, that those 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 Suns picks are going to be are going to be really valuable. It's actually hard to imagine people. Th- it's hard to imagine thinking they get more valuable going forward than right now, because every, the baseline assumption is that the salary cap and CBA is going to hamstring these guys so bad later on. And that with every subsequent season, maybe as like trades happen or who knows, like who literally who knows what's going to happen. They trade Aiden and get younger. Like it blows mm-hmm. up and they trade Durant and get more stuff back. And it looks like they're going to be sure. okay to retool. Like there's lots of ways. The, the future is not written for this kind of stuff. So in some ways, it's hard to imagine it happens where it gets better, where it gets better. But like, I could see a scenario where it gets worse. Does that make sense? Where it get like, these do not have as much valuable value two years from now, only because they're so incredible incredibly and intensely valuable right now yeah and I, I i think the point about there are wrinkles here right what what if phoenix turns around and does blow up and shed off some contracts and valuable players when they still have value in the league right we're assuming it's going to be play out the string and then everything looks like they're in a dismantled rebuild and they don't have any draft capital which elevates them and i think that sets the table for this question though which we can answer now and then break down our reasoning behind it you just said it. You believe that th- these are the all-time high point of value. Should the Brooklyn Nets be using them now to make a deal, to get a trade, to bring in a superstar? Is now the time to use the value of this draft capital? Because in my mind, as high as I think it is, and it may never be higher, I don't think that the Nets should be putting that together and going and attracting a superstar in this moment for a number of different reasons internally, specifically for the Nets. Yeah, that's it's. It, this is a really tough one. I, this is really tough because like the Nets are in this completely unique. We're going to talk a lot about this the rest of the episode, but like there's a completely unique situation, which has come up many times for us over the last, frankly, year, but specifically in the last three to four months uh, at the end of the year and going and you know over this off season, is that the Nets are sitting on this pack of picks which look great, but a difference of them like than like say an OKC which I mentioned before is that none of them are their own. And in fact, if you look at right. Quinn's list, 
it goes the other way with the other picks going out. They have these super high-valued picks coming in from the Suns and Mavericks. But if you look at where he ranks, like the the Nets picks to the Rockets are numbers 21, 26, 39, and 50 on this list, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so it's like it's not all great because they, because they don't control their own destiny here. It does get a little weird with how to use it because, like, they have – good contracts on guys like a good contract on bridges great it's like undersells it fantastic contract on bridges one of the best in the entire if not the best in the entire nba non-rookie scale and so it's like oh maybe they could like really put things together for this team but it's not like they can tank here and get out of it because in in a perfect world they'd have the suns picks and they'd be tanking last year and this year (laughs) yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like that would be, that would be the dream. Cause they would just get like some stud draft stuff on their own books and then go out and use the sun's stuff later on, but they can't do that. So now, now the, the equation totally shifts, totally shifts. And it's unlike most other situations. It's really tough. It's really tough. I, I think we're, we might land on different sides of this coin. And that's where when you look at um, uh, both uh, the Spurs and the Wizards who benefit from Dallas and Phoenix as well, but those are listed in the top four and five there of value as swaps, not as outright owned. So coming up here in a second, I will assert why the Brooklyn Nets should not put together all of this draft capital to go pursue a star. And Doug will tell me why I'm wrong. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. You heard at the beginning about the white tech hat. I'm going to get into that in a second. Bird Dogs have changed my life. I'm saying this not even you know just because they're a sponsor. It's because Bird Dogs has sent the re-up packages with multiple pairs of shorts, the pants, the hat, everything. I have. It's been months and months. I've gone. Uh, you can count on one hand the days I've gone without wearing bird dogs. They're made out of the stretch khaki. They're designed to fit super uh, slim, so they look really, really good. The wife loves them. The pants came in the mail the other day. She lost her mind. Uh, these things are absolutely unbelievable. And even for a guy who doesn't usually like the tight fitting stuff, like bird dogs has converted me full <laughs> full sale with their stuff because it's just so comfortable it just looks so good it's so versatile down to the beach and back no problem bird dogs working out bird dogs going out on the town bird dogs it's really the short that can just do everything for you if you go to birddogs.com slash locked on nba or enter the promo code locked on the nba you can get a free white tech hat they sent one of those as well that one's going out looks perfect for the golf course uh it's birddogs.com slash locked on nba or the promo code locked on nba grab that free white tech hat go over and just take a look at what they have for you you will not be disappointed you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you Okay, so talking about the Brooklyn Nets and the incredible value that they've received from the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving trades to a lesser extent in terms of draft capital and what is the right path forward for them. So when we think about the the short-term and long-term outlook for the Nets, there are a couple of things that fold into it. There's We're probably going to do a deeper episode coming up, which talks about where the young core, quote, core for the Nets lies, where Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson are going to be over the life of their contracts. I don't want to be hedging. But unless you told me that the Brooklyn Nets are going to put all the assets together to get Giannis next right. summer, then I, I just then I do not think it makes sense to make a trade with all of these assets because while they are only considered to be lottery tickets, not lottery picks, but lottery tickets potentially for lottery picks, I think the Brooklyn Nets have to have a longer term view than a compiling everything into it 
And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, going after a Joel Embiid at 31, 32 years old, and then absolutely making a championship window, but one that is not high enough and is far too tight to make it worth it for everything that these values represent. Yeah, this is going to be something that will be a topic of conversation over the next couple of years for sure. As every superstar, as we've seen superstars ask, ask out, it happens every single year. Uh, now, sometimes it's just like Durant doing it a couple times, right? <laughs> or whatever, and, or like Kyrie doing it. So like sometimes they're hard and doing it every year, every year for the last three years. So sometimes... It's be, that's just it becomes, his off-season routine. That's just how well, he gets it, ready for the year. It is hilarious because it's like superstars ask out all the time. It's like, well, th three of those times was Harden. So like right. that's still the same. Like, it's still the same guy, right? So I don't think it that doesn't count as three separate superstars. It's just every summer it's Harden. Like that doesn't necessarily three count. guys so, peeing in my pool, but it was all the same guy in the tight shorts well, in the corner. Like hey, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So like it does throw the numbers off a little bit when you realize that a couple of these dudes are repeat offenders. That being said, I, I see what you're saying around not wanting to do it except for like the absolute top of the mountain right the honest uh, guys like this and maybe like you said like Embiid doesn't even fall into this category I can see that right like it's like We're in it right okay, now Damian Lillard don't do it for Damian well, Lillard that's a great example right it's like don't do it now for Lillard. Like Lillard's too far up on the age scale and to, to to throw it in now for him would wouldn't make sense. I we we're both on the same page for that. There is a bell curve here where some of these guys, I, like Embiid's a close one for me, right? Like mm -hmm. Embiid is among the very best players in the NBA, no doubt about it. And there's some true question marks around it, like health, stamina in the postseason, ability to win with this kind of player at the highest level. I don't know. There's like for sure question marks about it. So I can definitely see that. Um, I agree with you on Giannis. There's a group of guys that you do it every single time for. You don't even think you, you, you hit click and you hope they don't take it back. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> so I, I think that uh, I think that those things are fine. What really is problematic here for the nets. And I'm wondering where you stand on this is like, when it comes to where the nets actual guys are on the team and their timelines it, it gets really trick it gets trickier right because whereas the okc guy i'm gonna keep going back to some of these other teams like okc houston kind of not really but like some of these other teams that are of uh, utah right some yeah, of these other teams that are on the on on the come up a little bit spurs all their dudes are young so they can just wait because <laughs> mm -hmm. like Shay and Giddy and Jalen Williams and like Jalen Green, even marketing to some degree, like these guys are all on the younger side. The Nets guys like Mikhail, like he's going to be 27 this year, yes. right? Like what do you, Cam Johnson, we've talked about too. Like Cam Johnson is going to be 27, right? Or he, sorry, he is already 27. You know, they're not spring chickens and I just don't, this is really hard for me. I, I don't really, because on the one hand, I think you owe it to like use these good contracts and go forward and try to really put something together now if like just the right guy surfaced. Because otherwise you're just going to play out these contracts and you're just going to kind of wait for these Suns picks and hope right. they're good. By the way, have you? I don't know if you looked at free agency for the next couple of years. You thought this year was bad? Forget it. I mean, go forward right. a couple of years. It's, it's horrible. So well, I don't know. By the way, just to, and even though we know that that the Dorian Finney-Smiths, Royce O'Neal, Spencer Dinwiddie's of of the world are not in the category of Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson, 
but it's worth mentioning, right? Like these guys are valuable. If say you went and pursued a, a superstar name and brought them in and you could retain any one or two of those guys, right? They're valuable now to supporting a run like that. And those guys won't be here, whether it's Royce O'Neal and, and Spencer Dinwiddie next season or uh, Dorian Finney-Smith a couple of years down the line when his contract runs out. And then you start to look at the young players. So I, I think, and I want to get to come up in segment number three, the Dallas side of this, which becomes fascinating, but that you touched on it there. Does it behoove the Nets to maximize the value of this run of Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson? I <laughs> I hate to break it to Nets fans, but I think that their version of maximizing it is trying to surround them with a couple of veterans, some yeah. young talent that could develop over this run and hoping that it maxes out. And by the way, the Nets don't perceive it to be championship run as maxing out, but playoff year over year, maybe, you know, winning around this, maybe you get to the playoffs this year, the next season, you want to win a first round the year after that, you want to be maybe surprising and make a run towards the conference finals. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's, I think what they're willing to commit over these contracts. And then you go ahead and you see where you stand with the capital from these other picks. Does that make sense to you? Uh, it does. It makes sense that like that's gonna be that that's gonna be sort of something they try to do. It has yeah. limit limited exciting upside to it. Yeah. Um. It has it has a super <laughs> high floor. It has a high it has has a fan a high fan floor in that they're not gonna be bad and they're not gonna go tanking and they're not gonna just you know have these like you know fifteen win seasons twenty win seasons or whatever which can be totally brutal to 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 walk through as a fan. I know that. Tanking sounds fun when you get all the picks, but like walk through an 82 game season of that and just tell me how much fun it is. Right. It's, it's not yeah. fun. I, you can do it. Like you can, you can definitely, sometimes it was definitely worth it to stick through. But I mean, in a second, one looking at this, I like, I have a way to take this that I've maybe no one's going to want to hear, <laughs> but like there's we'll, another we'll way to go. Through. There's another <laughs> way to go here, um, which we have not mentioned, which gets so you we'll real get into dark. I think a dark timeline here from Doug Norrie and also a little nugget coming out there from the Sam Quinn article regarding one Luka Doncic in Dallas. Let's get into that next. Okay. So before I brighten everybody's mood up and talk about Dallas and Luka, uh, what, what is, what is this alternate timeline where this all goes absolutely belly up? I'm pretty sure I could paint the picture myself, but I prefer that you, you really drag everyone down. Well, someone with devoid of emotions and, and really not looking at anything else except for the bottom line, which sometimes you need to have these like hardcore cost cutters come into what happens when you're just trying to reform an organization. I think an independent party would say you trade Mikhail Bridges, <laughs> right? Like you go the other way, you go the other way and you continue to stockpile it all together. You trade Bridges, you trade Cameron Johnson, you wait for the Simmons thing to come off the books, you cobble it together. Like, you know, you try to trade trade bridges for to Houston and, and see if you can get some of your picks back or something like that and make them a contender, right? Like I like there's a world where if you could do that, like that would be kind of the dream scenario if you if you could just look at this with a cold heart. <laughs> if you could look yeah. at it with you know, with 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 that dead look in your eyes and say, Hey, could you trade bridges for all those all your picks back? Like that would be, and then and then go into the tank. That would actually probably be the best for the long term outlook of the team. I am not advocating they do that because I don't really want to watch that team. <laughs> so I, but does that make sense? Like, could you see that being a recommendation? 
go look at the uh, interview that I had with Howard Beck from oof, last month sometime in and around okay. the draft. He he asserted something like this, at least saying yeah. this is it was really good because he's giving a global NBA perspective, which is really what you're presenting here. Right. This is it's not about if you're if you're a fan of the Nets, it's not about if you're in the Nets organization. This is really just I have nothing invested other than objectively what might be the most viable option. And he alluded to, hey, listen, not this year, not next year. But there, there could be an offseason coming where teams start calling you. And, and you listen, the dream scenario of Houston being the one that calls and the Nets get everything back, of course. Th- then I think it becomes something you, as an organization, have to entertain. It would be really depressing for me and probably for you as someone who covers the team and as a pure fan. But yes, that, that, is, that is the hardcore, real-world outcome here that two years from now, the Nets make the playoffs both seasons. They don't win a playoff series. But Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson look as good as they ever have and other teams are willing to give it. I guess the question on that, let's stay there. Is there non-Houston opportunities that you would look at and say just as viable to, to take that chance? Because as we always say with these picks, well, when I get a first round pick from Team X, but I give you a high caliber player and you want to go win a championship, it obviously devalues that first round pick, right? Maybe it just makes the stockpile so strong that come draft time, the Nets can say, We want to get to the 10th overall pick for player X and they can do that year over year and then comprise a team that ends up being top 15 draft talent over a two or three year span. I mean, mean, frankly, the the package for bridges would be more than most teams could even afford anyway. Right. So like he's the contract. You almost need to be a draft night trade where you know that the pick exists in this realm. Yeah, right? And this it's is why, like, it's, it's to some degree, it's not even worth entertaining. Because the, the, here's the thing. The Nets will never do it. So it's yeah. like, I, I don't want to, I guess we don't need to spend too much time on this because the Nets yeah. will never do it. I'm fine with it. I don't want them to do it. I want to root for Mikhail Bridges. Like, it's fun. And, like, it would be a massive act. Because the contract is so amazing. And he already showed what how much better he was than when even from Phoenix that it's, it, it just it, it enters almost like ridiculous territory. I'm not even sure who has the package to do it. And right. so um, and so like that becomes sort of problem. I mean, the, teams could, but it would be it'd be tough. I don't but, know. But by the way, though, too, and I mean, it's, you know, it's few, it, when you go look at draft picks and top 10 guys, there's hits and there's misses. Some prove out to be better than others. Some become all stars. Some become really good players. So if even if you pull the trigger like that, even if that said they wanted to do it, you're taking away what you know to be quantifiable talent and replacing it with possibilities. And so on just on that note, it was very clear, and we've said this before, when the Nets made this trade, the way they talked about Mikhail and Cameron Johnson, the way they made Cameron Johnson's contract a priority this offseason, Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson are the ferrymen, right? Navigating the Brooklyn Nets franchise across what is going to be a low ceiling, very high floor era of basketball, and that need not be a bad thing. The Luka Doncic point, though, which I did think was fun from this article, was that, as reported by uh, Tim McMahone by ESPN, said that the Mavericks are worried about Luka Doncic forcing a trade as soon as the summer of 2024 and obviously factoring Kyrie Irving and his what has been his experiences in different landing spots as being big factors there. The world where that, we talk about Giannis yeah. as being the outlier. Well, guess what? The world where Dallas says, you know, Luka says he wants out, then yeah. He's the other guy that I yeah. say, well, you can have all your own picks back. We have some Phoenix picks as well. What does it take? And we don't have to give up any of those other players, by the way. And then what you have is maybe a very short one or two year window around Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson and Luca. 
And then you move into the new Luca era as well. And you could afford to keep any player you wanted to because you could give every draft asset necessary to get Luca. Yeah, yeah, he was, and I didn't say it, but he's the other guy. Like, he's yes. one of the other guys, right? He's like, there's a, the, the list is short, but he's definitely on it. Um, If you're saving for a stockpile, if you're saving a stockpile to do something, he's one you do it for, for sure, 100%, no doubt, click it and forget it. Um, You don't even think twice. You give everything. Um, He's just that good. So, uh, I, you know, out short of just bridges, right? Uh, that'd be mm-hmm. uh, that'd be literally it. I, I, everything else can go, yes. and the only reason you need bridges is because you just need to try to win. So it's like you need somebody stand, some, somebody standing here at the end of the day. So there are worlds where I could see it happening. I'm sure. Well, sorry, I, there are worlds where it could be presented to the Nets. Whether it's happening, these things are always guys like this don't really get traded. Like I, that's the other problem in, in in the NBA is that it just really doesn't happen that often at this age. Um, mm-hmm. it can, but it, it's, it's, it's still very rare. Like I, I know that people want to, yeah, there's much ballyhooed around superstars asking out it, again, remind yourself of who the list has been. Like it's the list has not been, there always are guys, but they're usually at some other points of the thing. Now, Dallas, you know, the Luke, could you see the Luca Kyrie thing blowing up? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> Like I can see it, <laughs> right? I can, like that's not. I'm not even squinting. <laughs> it doesn't you, live live the last couple of years in Brooklyn and see if you think that can happen. Like it can happen. I I don't know if it's likely, but it, it's definitely on the table. Um, and they made a commitment to Kyrie, and I think that team is going to be really good. But there's worlds where it just goes totally south. So, um, I think and I and I think ahead. the Nets are looking for the sorry Nets are looking for the Anthony Davis scenario, right? That that you know that would be the guy that's at an at a prime age and yeah. clearly communicates to an organization, hey. This isn't going to be the place for me. We can still do the contract. You can still pay me all the money, but ultimately you're going to be moving on from it. I think that's that's the picture you're painting with Luca, right? Where it's like, hey, clearly expressed, I'm not going to be here. And then the Nets, with everybody else considered, I mean, maybe you could include a team like Utah, actually probably with the amount of capital they have from the Gobert trade would also be in that mix. Yeah. But Nets are as close to the top of it in saying we can give you more anything and more than anyone else could. Totally. And yeah, there's other teams like if those guys become available. Believe me, there would be more than one bidder. They would be the whole NBA would be essentially. You'd be surprised how many teams found a way to field an offer for. for exactly. Exactly. Like, how could you not? How could you not? And and again, these guys coming coming loose is not is not something that usually happens. This is really interesting, man. Like, this is going to be something. This is going to be a long term talking point for the Nets um, and us as, as the years go forward here, because um, it's just it's going to be front of mind for where they stand with these guys. I hate rooting against other teams in a really singular fashion. Nets have to be in a mode where they're rooting. Nets fans sort of have to be in the mode um, of where you're rooting against the Suns and Mavericks, like pretty hardcore right now because, because of like what it means for the future. Um, it adds another subplot. If you it's, it's, I, I get from a mindset standpoint, I kind of hate doing it. Cause I think it's just like sends you in the wrong sort of mental direction, but how can he not at this point? Like you gotta, you gotta root so hard against these teams for you gotta root so hard for these teams to blow up so big, because the Nets well, just would capitalize so much. Yeah, and in some ways it's funny because uh, the, my closing thought is like with Phoenix, you can root for them to be so good that they accomplish the goal and they win the championship, and it makes it easier for things to deteriorate away. You know, depending on the timeline of it, where as we painted earlier, they don't get to send off some of these players and recoup assets. For Dallas, if I'm dividing them, it's like Dallas, you really want to go belly up here because yeah. there's not the same level of value and it opens up a different avenue. If it's me, though, again, shy of one of these real unicorn situations popping up, 
I think the Brooklyn Nets' best path is to be high floor competitive, make the playoffs, enjoy the basketball with Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, see some young guys develop, which we're going to talk about in, an, in our upcoming episode, and then just use the, use the picks. I, I, I think you take your shots. You hope that one of these ends up being, a few of these end up being close to, if not into the high and mid lottery areas for the draft. And you hit on a couple of guys. Like the, the NBA is a superstar driven league. We all know that. But you do have to be successful building through the draft. And at some point, the Nets have to accept that their superstar versions, historically in their franchise, are not high level successful. <laughs> they have right. swung and missed multiple times on that. So it'll be fascinating to watch. All right. Lots to think about over here over the short term, offseason, and the coming years. That's what we got you covered here going now and going forward. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Nets over on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Free on all those platforms. Totally free for you. Number one way to help us. So subscribe to Locked On Nets on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This morning, the sun indoors passed on. I realized that it is August, the summer's last stand. Why, that's Sarah Baum. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. For some nice reason, name. that name ended. That name ended sooner than I thought it was gonna end. I thought there was gonna be like a hyphen or maybe a little few more syllables on it. I'm coughing down in Clarkson Johnson Smith. What it doesn't take away is that she's, I think, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball, basketball.